0: Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hello, it's so good to be with you again. And today I want to um, share a revelation deposit that I've entitled Reset. Reset. What I want you to know by the end of our time together is that the devil is real and he actively resists our advancement in God's purposes. I'm praying that you will feel alert and compelled and ultimately I want to trust that you will begin reprioritizing God's word, prayer and the local church in your personal life. Now my youngest son is pretty crazy and wild and he's quite confrontational. So what will often happen is he will get into an argument or disagreement with his bigger brother, and he will then try to attack him you know take a few swings but ultimately there's no ways that this 8 year old is going to beat up a big 13 year old that plays rugby and so what my youngest son will do is once he figures out that he can't hurt his older brother he will storm out the room but on his way find something that his older brother values that he can pick up and throw on the ground hoping to break it and in many ways We are like this in our response to those we feel hurt us. Often if someone wants to hurt you, but they can't get to you, they will look to hurt those you value the most. Now I want you to think of this in the spiritual sense, because the devil can't destroy God, so he tries to destroy God's masterpiece. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece. Satan cannot attack God directly, so he attacked. God's master creation, man. Now, the enemy doesn't like us living with an awareness of this, so he tries to remain overlooked. In fact, one of the craftiest moves the devil's ever pulled off is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. Often in our personal lives, we can lose sight of the fact that there is a real spiritual world operating within our human experience, and we can overlook the fact that Whenever we begin advancing in our walk with Jesus, the devil tries to stop us. Ephesians 6 verse 12 reminds us of this when it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The Business Insider recently wrote an article based on a book called The 33 Strategies of War by the best-selling author Robert Greene, in which they spoke about the strategies he had studied for effective warfare. And they said, the first four strategies are all about getting your head in the game. That's what we're doing today. And then they speak about the polarity strategy. And the strategy here is to learn to smoke out your enemies, to spot them by the signs and patterns that reveal hostility. Then, once you have them in your sights, inwardly declare war. Your enemies can fill you with purpose and direction. And so this is our next step today. I want to lead you in spotting the signs and patterns the enemy uses to try and destroy us and then equip you in order to remain strong through this. For many of us, this will be familiar, and for others, brand new. But either way, it's going to involve us resetting priorities. And so let's begin by acknowledging, first of all, that the enemy, the devil, is an opportunist who seeks to distract your focus and instill doubt while isolating you and then leading you with lies. And he does this using your past, your present, and your future. So let's understand him first as the opportunist. In Luke chapter 4 verse 13, it says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came the enemy looks for opportunities in your life, moments of vulnerability or weakness in which he can seek to leverage your human struggle and use it to take you off course from what God might have for your future. And so the first thing the enemy does once he finds an opportunity in your life is to distract you instill doubt over your God-given future. The first thing he wants to do when he sees the opportunity is distract you or instill doubt over your God-given future. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 we hear from the Apostle Paul, one of the writers of most of the New Testament, and he writes about how he fulfilled his calling by remaining focused on Jesus if the enemy can shift our focus, it could be deadly to our God-given destiny. In America, an estimate of around 1.3 million accidents or 26% of all pile-ups, are blamed on drivers using cell phones. All the enemy wants to do is distract you for one moment in order to have you veer off course. And the issue with this is that he doesn't come showing up with a red tail and horns, but is everything you've ever wanted. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 tells us that he disguises himself as an angel of light. He just wants to create one moment in which he finds something that distracts you from where God has called you to go. It might be the text from the girl that you liked, and she's sending you a heart emoji. You look down from the wheel. It might be the ping of your phone as your salary comes into your bank account. It may be the push notification because your Facebook post got another like. It might come across as something good, but it could be the very thing distracting you from God's greater purpose. There might be a relationship, a job offer, an invitation to an appealing event. These things might be good, but they might simply be a distraction keeping you from focusing on what it is God's called you to. So the question isn't whether it's good or not. The question is, does this distract me from God at the center of my life? Does this distract me from God at the center of my life, even if it's good? That's the first thing he does. When he sees the opportunity, he distracts your focus. But if the devil can't distract us with something good, he will then seek to instill doubt with something bad. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, we read of the approach the devil took to tempting Eve. It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Hear those words. Did God really say? What the enemy does is cause doubt around what God had spoken in certainty and authority for your life. So, how do we handle the distraction or the doubt? And here's the plain and simple truth. We handle it by developing a disciplined reading of God's word in our personal lives. By developing a disciplined reading of God's word in our personal lives. The enemy will use voices to contradict God's word. But as Rick Warren said, stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Jesus himself used verses of scripture when he was tempted by the devil in the desert. And he would refer and deflect the attack by saying things to the enemy like, It is written from God's word that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is our weapon. And in the gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said to his followers... But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. There are moments where you and I will experience resistance from the enemy, but we have the word of God, the sword of the Spirit with which we can um, defend ourselves and fight back. The problem is the Holy Spirit cannot remind us of what God has told us from his word if we have not read it. So this needs to become a priority in our lives. You see, my situation doesn't determine my destiny. My revelation does. My situation might be bad and the enemy might try to use it to distract me or instill doubt. But if I'm living out of a revelation of God's word, it will determine my course, which might mean I can keep going where God's called me to when everything is resisting that very direction. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit the breath of God it will empower you by its instruction and correction giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness my situation doesn't determine my destiny my revelation does And that comes from God's Word. So number one, the enemy will try to distract you or instill doubt over your God-given future. And to handle that, you need to embrace and read the Word of God in a disciplined fashion throughout your life. Number two, the enemy wants to isolate you from Christ-centered relationships in your present. He'll distract you and cause doubt around your future, and he will seek to isolate you from Christ-centered relationships in your present. One Peter chapter five, verse eight says, "'Stay alert and watch for your great enemy, the devil. "'He prowls around like a roaring lion "'looking for someone to devour. "'A lion's strategy for taking down big praise "'to first isolate the individual from the larger group.'" This is division, it's separation, and the enemy wants to divide your relationships in the present because he knows what Mark chapter 3, 25 says, and he also knows what James chapter 5, verse 16 says in the word of God. Mark chapter 3, 25 says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. The enemy doesn't want you to stand, he wants you to fall and stay broken. But on the contrary, James chapter 5, verse 16 in God's word says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see, strength and healing happen in relationships with other followers of Jesus. And the enemy doesn't want you to experience healing. He wants you to fall and stay broken. So how do we handle this um, temptation to be divided or separate ourselves? The reality is it starts by shifting from prioritizing your calendar to rather calendarizing your priorities. This is about resetting priorities, and it's about prioritizing church attendance on a Sunday and a life group in the week. We are called the church. That comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which is a gathering of people under a common vision. When we come together on a Sunday, we are being the ecclesia together. When we get together in groups during the week to speak, we are confessing with each other, praying for each other, and finding healing. In fact Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 in God's word says let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Some versions say as some people are in the habit of doing but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are called to get together, to not get into the habit of neglecting our connection, of not getting into the habit of coming to one or two Sundays and taking the other two off. We need to remain consistent in our connection, prioritizing our church attendance, because it's the very thing that keeps us strong, standing, and experiencing the healing power of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 to 31, it speaks about our relation to the church when it says you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. And so you are referred to being part of the body of Christ. That means you play a vital role in ensuring the body operates to its full potential and you can't live outside of being connected to the rest of the body. This is why the enemy seeks to divide you in your present, disconnect you from the rest of the body. If he can just get you to stay away long enough from being connected with others that are Christ followers, if he can convince you that the church has hurt you enough never to return, if he can convince you that all you need is Jesus, yourself, and some Christian programs on the television, what he will do is, get you as part of the limb that makes up the whole body to remain disconnected and you leave a limb away from the body with the head and the heart for long enough, it begins to shrivel up. It doesn't have the blood and the oxygen it needs to survive. It will then rot and ultimately die. And very often we can be followers of Jesus and have an aspect of our walk with God that dies because somewhere we've been convinced that we don't need to be connected with the local church, that we don't need to be around other Christ followers Actively standing together under a common vision. The enemy wants to distract you from your future, divide you in your present, and thirdly, he wants to deceive you with your past. It tells us in John chapter 8, verse 44, that when the devil lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, the devil's lies bind us, while John chapter 8, verse 32 says, The truth will set you free. The lies bind and truth sets free. And Jesus declares in God's word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, how do we handle the deceit the devil uses from our past to try and keep us from what God has for our future? Let us remember that ultimately we don't create our value. We discover it. This means nothing from your past defines who you are in Christ. So, in order to resist the enemy's attack using your past, push into focused prayer in your personal life. Turn your gaze to the truth, Jesus, who sets you free from the binding lies of the enemy. You see, in prayer, you assume the most accurate position of your true identity, outside of the labels of the past, because Jesus taught us to begin our prayers with the words, Our Father who art in heaven. We are children. And He is our King and our Good Father. That means when we pray, we are focusing on whose we are rather than who we think we are because of our past. Prayer is not only communion with God. It is confrontation with the enemy. And so as we land, we started by acknowledging Ephesians chapter 6, in which it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And then it continues from verse 13, where it says, Therefore... Therefore, because we're in a spiritual battle, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's knowing the word of God. That's reading the word of God. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now listen to the last few lines as our conclusion today. From verse 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, reprioritizing God's word. It then goes on and says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. There's our prayer, prioritizing prayer. And then it ends saying, With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There's a connection with the rest of God's people, reprioritizing the local church and our relationships with other followers of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to be alert and reprioritize your world in order to intentionally read God's Word and pray each day and plant yourself in the local church. And so my question to you for your personal life is what practical steps do you need to take to reset the Bible, prayer, and the local church's priorities in your personal life? What practical steps do you need to take to reset the Bible, prayer and the local church's priorities in your personal life. Let's remember that Jesus calls us to purpose. And when we live with purpose, we live intentionally. We don't just go with the flow. In fact, only dead fish go with the flow. And so if we're going to be intentional, if we're going to stand our ground in the spiritual warfare that often will resist where God is calling us, we need to calendarize our priorities rather than prioritizing our calendar. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Jesus has broken the power of the devil. We fight many spiritual battles, but the war has already been won through Christ. And so even as you take your practical steps in order to stand strong, do that with the confidence knowing that you're not fighting for victory, but from victory.